Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast, season post re- season recap, post-mortem edition. Wow, that's a mouthful. Uh, I am Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, you want to talk about Duke today? Uh, uh, what, what better time than now to talk about Duke? <laughs> Does anyone ever want to talk about Duke? Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, whoever wants to talk about Duke, I guess this is the time to do it. Hey, it, we, we don't like Duke, but at least we're honest about it. There's that. Yep. Uh, all right, so 2016 Duke was a – I mean, I think it was even a – I don't really know how to quantify this season. So they went 4-8. and eight, Surprise. Which, now, I went back and I listened to our preseason pre- predictions, and we both had Duke at 5-7. and seven. So, you know, missing out on bowl eligibility after several years of, you know, some pretty good final records. You know, they had some tough strength of schedule and everything else, but – Mike, I, I mean, this did fall a little bit flat, although there were a couple of bright spots thrown in there. I mean, is this – what what happened here? I mean, I know there's some injuries and everything. Like, why did this season turn out the way that it did for Duke? Uh, I mean, I don't think the personnel was there. I mean, the team wasn't very good, clearly, by the 4-8 and eight record. I mean, we could end the podcast by saying that, you know. But, <laughs> um, I mean, I think a lot of it had to do with breaking in a freshman quarterback. Um, as good as Daniel Jones was, people do forget that, you know, he was a freshman. Um, this, yeah, you know, the transition from high school to college football doesn't happen overnight unless you're an elite, uh, an elite athlete, an elite quarterback. Uh, he only completed about 63% of his passes, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. It was fine, but... I think some of it also had to do with just injuries to the offensive line. Injuries to the running backs was a big story all year. They were shuffling running backs um, from Sean Wilson, Jayla Duncan. It was just a number of different guys taking uh, taking carries in the backfield there. Um, and I think that's really what plagued Duke. You know, Duke is a play-action pass team. And if you can't establish the run, if you have trouble establishing the run because of your offensive line, uh, you know, this is one of those things that will come back to bite you long term within uh, within your schedule, and I think that was the case here for Duke. Talking about injuries, I mean, you can't leave out the Devon Edwards injury back in September, uh, really before the, the season could really get started. Their best defensive player and honestly a really good returner for Duke as well went out with an injury that ended his season. So that definitely played a part in it. As you mentioned, Daniel Jones was solid but not world beating and not you know transcendent which you kind of have to be as a freshman if you're going to really take your team somewhere else uh you know beyond maybe where it would go else otherwise uh i thought that they did suffer a little bit from strength of schedule uh having obviously louisville thrown in there uh you know they end up beating north carolina and notre dame which are probably 
two of the three most talented teams they played all year, which makes no real sense on a lot of levels. Uh, and then they lost games against Northwestern and Wake Forest. Uh, I mean, so there was a, a little bit of, um, I guess, a little bit of back and forth on kind of what you could expect. Obviously, I would say Notre Dame and North Carolina are the most shocking games of the year for you, Mike. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt, especially the one in South Bend. Uh, you know, I, these are two teams that ended up 4-8 and eight on the year with not much to show for them on defense, and uh, that was the case in that ball game there, uh, having it be 38-35. to 35. Of course, you're still, you know, relatively small sample size. You're in college football's fourth week of the year at that point in time, but you're starting to get a little bit of a feel of what these teams are and not having much defense. Um, and, and not having a ton of offense, quite frankly, uh, throughout the schedule for Duke, having the weird 38-35 to 35 win in South Bend, uh, one of the best wins Duke's had, even as bad as Notre Dame was, one of the best wins that Duke has had in a number of years. Maybe ever. Yeah, maybe ever. I, there's such, like, dissonance here. Like, if I had told you coming into the year, and, and take Duke out of it, if I had told you coming into the year – that there was a team in college football that was going to beat both Notre Dame and North Carolina, what would their final record be? Uh, you asked me these questions, <laughs> and I just... <laughs> no. Um, if you just guess any random I team... I mean, you guess like 10-2, yeah, right? I, mean, I would say, yeah, I was going to say like 9-3, I mean, you're, you're going bowling without a doubt. I mean, if you're going to pick a, uh, pick a team's record on the low end, I mean, I would say probably 8-4. and four. But... Even then, I mean, you're thinking it's going to be a pretty good eight and four team that's going to beat these these two teams that everybody perceived, at least at the beginning of the season, to be pretty good: North Carolina and Notre Dame. I think the worst loss on the year probably has to be 34-20, two touchdown home loss to Virginia. Uh, the only win the Cavaliers had in conference play, uh, their only win over a Power Five team all year. Not a good. I mean, they were a two and ten finish, and you beat Duke. Um, I just there, there's just a lot of very strange outcomes here that don't really like to add up a lot. Um, one of the other games that I thought was really interesting, and I say this myself, and this is going to sound a little funny, but was the the Georgia Tech game. Georgia Tech had a huge lead on Duke, and was just you know the game was over, and then Duke kind of came back after halftime, tied it and I think eventually took a lead, if I'm remembering correctly. And finally, thank God Justin Thomas had the game of his life because the rest of Georgia Tech, you know, was not enough to beat Duke on that day. So there were several of these things that could have gone either way. I mean, they put a scare into Louisville. They put a bit of a scare into Virginia Tech. Uh, they, they kept some games close. Ultimately, they end up right around, I think, where we were expecting them to be. Uh, and re real quick, I was at the game right after that Georgia Tech loss that they had. Uh, against Virginia Tech, uh, that was that was a home loss there to the Hokies. That uh, you know, while they were competitive in a game where Tech was a top twenty team, that was a game that Duke could have easily won if it weren't for a block field goal that was returned for a touchdown uh, by Virginia Tech. The Hokies offense didn't get a whole lot going in that game. Duke's defense, I thought, played really well. That's a game I think also that you can equate as a bad loss because you essentially lost the game on a special teams touchdown there. Um, you know, Tech built a pretty good early lead. Duke came storming back. And had a shot there to win at the end, but you know, whenever you lose a game with a special team score, uh, I think you can constitute that as a bad loss as well, even when you're going up against an opponent that is better. 
As we look forward to 2017 for Duke, Mike, uh, I don't know that they're going to get a whole lot of rest necessarily from terms of strength of schedule. Uh, they add a second Power 5 team to their out-of-conference schedule, which is like the first time that's happened maybe ever under David Cutcliffe. Um, probably not, but uh, coming into this year, I, I, I talked a lot about how it really irritated me that people were so high on Duke. They had come off a three-year stretch where they had won 27 games. They were averaging yeah. nine wins a year. One of the better teams offensively in the conference uh, throughout that stretch as well, which is pretty hard to believe. Sure, it's just that I felt like it was a little empty. And the reason I say that is because they had 12 out-of-conference games over those three years. 11 of them were against teams not in the Power Five. Their yep. only, only out-of-conference game in those three years was Northwestern, and that was their only loss out-of-conference in those three years. Right. So basically they were, they were given those, not to mention that they're out their uh, conference rival every year is Wake Forest. And at the, at the time, I mean, Wake Forest has not been good for several years coming into 2016. And so basically they were spotted 14 of those 27 wins. Um, and, and so that's why I felt like it was a little bit empty. Next year they add not only Northwestern once again, but also Baylor. Uh, they get Baylor at home. Baylor obviously in a little bit of turmoil dealing with all of their difficulties and bringing yeah. in Matt, Matt Rule. That could be a bye week, you know. It could be. Um, I, I honestly don't know what to make of them. I don't know what they're going to be under Matt Rule. That felt like a weird hire to me, a weird fit. Um, so I don't know what that's going to turn into. But other than that, I mean, they, they get Florida State from the Atlantic, which that's not a not any sort of relief from Louisville. No, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the schedule gets very tough. Uh, you've got a, a grown-up Daniel Jones, hopefully, which should be good. Um I think there's some chance still that they might bring back Thomas Sirk, Mike. Oh, God. For, like, I, his, like, seventh year of eligibility after, like, yeah. three ruptured Achilles or something. Yeah, his wife's probably expecting her third or fourth kid by this point. <laughs> um, you know, he's sending one of his kids to college, following him in the door. Um, you think he's working on, like, his doctorate by now? Right. He's, like, he's running out of, yeah, yeah, Duke's running out of classes to offer him. And I'm not just talking about in his major. I'm talking about, period. They're running out of classes to offer him. He's been there for so long. You think he's, like, teaching a class with some of his teammates in it by now? Right, right. He's, like, a, he's a TA in the offseason. Um, yeah. That's something else. It, he's, had a, he's had a very interesting career because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of potential there with Cirque that I think was unfortunately left unrealized due to a ton of just really crappy injuries because there were there were a few games there that he played where he was just really really good and you never really knew what to make of him because the consistency wasn't always there because he kept getting hurt he was in out of the lineup um obviously blown out your Achilles twice uh kind of limits you in the run game but yeah it's a bummer but yeah if he comes back it'll be interesting to see what Cutcliffe does there at quarterback I I would lean on the side of continuing to develop Daniel Jones as a starter but uh, you never know with Cutcliffe. He has a proven guy there, and he feels like they're in win-now mode, which I can't imagine you'd be in win-now mode at Duke A and B at Duke coming off the 4-8 and eight season. Maybe they throw you know, Thomas Sirk in the mix, but who knows. I'm just sitting here laughing at win-now mode at Duke. That's kind right. of a funny thought. Yeah, only, at, only in basketball. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, even, that, even that looked shaky up until about a week and a half ago. So. Yeah, really. Uh... 
yeah, you don't want to have to trip over yourself to get wins over there. It didn't. I don't know. I wanted to work the word trip in there somewhere, and it didn't really work out. But yeah, you get the point. Grayson Allen trips people. Yeah, and he's that's a, a dirty jab player. At Grayson Allen. Yeah, that's that's a jab at Grayson Allen, gang. <laughs> um, uh, all right, good basketball references here on the Basketball Conference Football Podcast. Let me uh, let me comment on the schedule real quick. This is they have a really brutal stretch, and I know we'll do all our preseason stuff in a couple months and really dive into this, but they have a really brutal stretch there home against Florida State, home against Pitt, and at Virginia Tech for three consecutive weeks in October, which I don't find particularly appetizing. Um, they do finish at Army, home against Georgia Tech, and at Wake Forest, obviously with Georgia Tech being the toughest game in that uh, final three-game stretch for them. But, man, this is – you're going to have Daniel Jones, I would assume, as the starter. You're returning some of your – pieces on offense hopefully the offensive line's a little bit more healthy but man this is not early look at this schedule hard to find six wins in there joey hard to find six wins i'll tell you though you look at the first four games that they play home against nc central home against northwestern home against baylor on the road at north carolina there's a greater than zero percent chance that they go four zero in that stretch mike north carolina's losing a ton and they might not be good next year. And they are. Baylor might be a mess, and you might get them at home. Death penalty, yeah. Mm-hmm. Northwestern is a bit of a you know they're only so much of a powerhouse. That's at home, and then there's NC's. I mean, we could be talking about four and Duke headed into the uh, final weekend of September when they host Miami, and we know what happened the last time Miami was at Duke. Yeah, that. <laughs> God, don't re- <laughs> don't don't remind me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think the referees won that game. Um, we might, uh, pretty good chance we'll be talking about the four-game stretch at the beginning of their schedule when we preview their season as perhaps the four most important games of the season for Duke if they want to return to a bowl game. Um, that's going to be, I, I mean, they almost have to go 4-0 in that stretch to make a bowl, in my opinion, given just the rest of their schedule. Uh, you got a couple so-called softies in there, uh, at Virginia, who you just lost to in 2016, at Army, which, you know, you barely beat Army, and then Wake Forest, which Wake Forest is an improved team, a six or seven win ceiling team, just like Duke is really at this point. So, and young, yeah, and and young, and very young, and well coached, mm-hmm. and up and coming, and another solid recruiting class. Yeah, it, it's not going to be easy for Duke. I could see him getting there though. I don't, oh, me too. I don't like that thought, but I, I could see him getting there. And Cutcliffe's a really good coach, too, and I think that's something that, you know, you go with the guy who's experienced, who's gotten the most out of his teams. I mean, nobody's going to count Cutcliffe out. He's a really good coach for a reason. Yeah, they just need to get healthy, get Daniel Jones to, you know, to mature a little bit and get more comfortable, and I think it can be done. Turn Thomas Serk into a tight end. Oof. With his yeah, it could work. Bad Achilles. <laughs> oh, God bless you, Thomas Sirk. Hope you're not listening to this. Oof. Okay. I kind of hope you are listening to this, though. <laughs> yeah. Hit us up on the uh, the uh, basketball conference hotline if you want to. Uh, we can bring that back for you. Anyways, oh, yeah. uh, Mike, anything else on this game? No. This team? Good. Not a game. Yeah. yeah. Duke's fo- Duke football is not a game. This is all serious. No. All serious. No fun time. 
Uh, all right, let's get out of here. Uh, yeah. All right, so like we said, this has been the uh, the Duke football recap from 2017. If you guys want to 2016, gosh, uh, I've I've been out of the saddle for too long. I'm getting getting rusty here. It's okay. Um, we can probably replay this in about a year, and the result will be about the same. <laughs> you think we just like do that and see if anybody would notice? What recycle content? We would never do that. Never, never. All right. Whatever. If you guys uh, got thoughts on what we did here, what we said, if uh, we messed something up, if we got something right, hit us up. I'm on Twitter. I'm at FDRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. You could also send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. And, Mike, before you tell me that I nailed it, I heard that you nailed it on the uh, Notre Dame podcast. Well done. I did. I nailed it. <laughs> uh, all right. You guys can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Play, and... Uh, and let us know what you think. You know, subscribe and rate and review and do all those cool things. But uh, until the next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ACC. Yeah.